You're about to listen to a podcast brought to you by the dedicated and diverse volunteers at 3CR Community Radio. To power this podcast, we ask our listeners to donate to the station to help keep us on air. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate and show your support for community-owned and run media. Herds and Curds with Carmen and Leanne, bringing you conversations with farmhouse cheesemakers and dairy producers. The first Sunday of the month at 7am on your favourite station, 3CR, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. Hello and welcome to Herds and Curds with Carmen and Leanne on 3CR Community Radio. Today we bring you part two of our conversation with Will Studd and his lengthy campaign for raw milk cheeses in Australia. If you didn't listen to part one, you can find it on our program page on the 3CR website or look up Herds and Curds podcast wherever you find your podcasts. We pick up the conversation as Will begins to explain the intricacies of his dealings with the Australian regulatory body, Fazans. To go back to 2001, mm. uh, the authorities wouldn't look at changing the regulations for Australian cheese and the Italians and the Swiss got very uptight about the fact that their cheeses looked like they were going to be banned. And what was it has um, implications for, for trade agreements, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I didn't realise at the time, but what it turns out is that there was a GATT World Trade Agreement made in Uruguay in the 90s, which basically established the concept of free trade. Mm. And part of that agreement was about equivalent standards. And those equivalent standards were never spelt out. But by banning the import of Parmigiano and Swiss cheese, or the, uh, what the Australian authorities had unwittingly done is they were suddenly testing what that concept meant. And the implications were, funny enough, they were global because if Australia could ban the import of those cheeses, then so could the US. And, uh, of course, uh, the US is a huge market, so the Europeans were very worried that if Australia could say, well, these cheeses are banned because they're dangerous because they're made from raw milk, then uh, the US could do the same thing. And that would set a very dangerous precedent for world trade. Uh, that actually turned out to be part of the reason that anyone wanted to listen to the argument. And Fazans very quickly rolled over on uh, Swiss cheese and created a special exemption for Swiss Gruyere. Because of the cooked stuff? Uh, because it's cooked. Well, they, they, their basis was because it's cooked curd. Mm-hmm. But they created, they created a special exemption in the code. And uh, the French looked at it but couldn't get their act together as producers. And Fazans also changed the code to a, what they said was that Parmigiano, Reggiano and Grana Padano were, were made from milk that was the equivalent in bacteria reduction because they cooked curd. Cooked curd along with yeah. long maturation. Yeah. Well, actually, it was, it was related to phosphatase in milk. They said providing mm-hmm. there was zero phosphatase in the milk when the cheese... Uh, when the curd was formed, it was the equivalent of bacteria reduction. The 
problem for the authorities at the time, and I'm no scientist, so I should stress this, but <laughs> the, the problem for the authorities is phosphatase is an indicator of whether milk's, whether, whether, you know, milk's been pasteurised or curd's been pasteurised. The problem is in natural rinded cheese, phosphatase reoccurs, so there's okay. absolutely no way of testing at the end, the end product as to whether it's made from raw or pasteurised milk because Parmigiana, Reggiano and Granipadano will exhibit phosphatase activity. Right. Anyway, that's 2002. And so was that your first interaction with um, regulation in Australia in regards to raw milk cheese? Yeah, I mean, I was... I was it, it basically, it's rather like being... Uh, the best analogy I can say is I, I'd enjoyed developing the market in Australia. In those days, I'd had a lot to do with uh, small Australian producers. One of the, one of the most fun things uh, I, I could, I've loved doing with, you know, with my career in cheese is working with Australian producers to... Mm develop cheeses that, that are Australian and different and effectively this this regulation meant that all that push to try and do that, we couldn't do that and we couldn't sell international benchmarks either. Mm-hmm. There were already plenty of restrictions so I wouldn't want to place too much on that but uh, until then I'd had a, a lot to do with small farmhouse and artisan producers. And so did and that transform your relationship with local producers? Well, what, what was funny, surprising in fact, was that by standing up for raw milk cheese, what happened is that uh, a number of local producers suggested that in arguing the case for raw milk cheese, I wasn't representing Australian specialist cheesemakers. Mm-hmm. The publicity it was generating was actually undermining Australian cheesemakers and making them look bad. Right. Um, which was sort of sad. I decided that if Australian cheese producers couldn't agree uh, when it came to the the right to make raw milk cheese, and clearly for Zans weren't going to change anything, the next best way to try and drive change for the Australian industry was to look at international examples. So just as the Swiss had sought a special exemption for Gruyere and Sprints and Emmental, I sought a special exemption for Roquefort. Right. Well, I did want to clarify the reason why Swiss cheese was exempt was because at their end, they did the lobbying to make that change. It wasn't um, people in Australia that were actually lobbying for that. Yeah, that's right. The Swiss made the, Swiss made the application and I think there were, well, you can imagine that there were the, the WTO and uh, the Swiss were pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking yeah. It on. So Australia was pretty quick in changing, making that special exemption. Yeah. And it happened sort of overnight with the um, Italians too. I can't tell you how it happened, but it did, because I don't uh, know. Yeah. There's such a, a huge, you know, it- Italian population, particularly in Melbourne and, and probably Sydney, and they would have been outraged, surely. Well, yeah. I remember holding the first meeting with the Zans, and uh, I'd sort of very publicly come out about the implications of the new regulation somewhere in the city in Melbourne and uh, there was a very large table and a lot of people in very dark suits and me uh, trying to explain the implications of the new regulations. Mm. It was pretty um, pretty clear that uh, those regulations, people were astounded mm-hmm. that the Australian government could even consider banning those cheeses. Exactly. So they, they, they rolled over on that. But the French, when it, came, when it came down to the French, unfortunately the French had thought about making an application for Roquefort, but the producers couldn't agree. There were seven producers of, of Roquefort, and they couldn't all agree about the best way to make an application to Fazans oh. for an exemption. You have to go back to 2002. Mm-hmm. 
where the exemptions being granted for the Swiss and for the Italians, and Will's going, well, what about French cheese? And the French could not get their act together as a group, so I decided to test the meaning of cheese must be made from a pasteurised milk or the equivalent in bacteria reduction by importing some Roquefort and asking the authorities to test it to ensure it was the equivalent in bacteria reduction and met Australian standards. And so you had that cheese tested first in France, didn't you, before it arrived here? Yeah, yeah. So I arranged for 80 kilos of Roquefort to be tested in France and then brought it to Australia with the full knowledge of the authorities because I'm going, I don't understand what this regulation means. You can change it for the Italians, but Mm -hmm. can you change it for Roquefort? Mm -hmm. And when the cheese arrived, the authorities refused to test it. You're listening to 3CR Radio. The way it works in Australia is you have the Imported Food Inspection Service, which is part of the quarantine service. They're responsible for checking all imports meet Australian standards and the standards are actually set by Fazan. So there was a big debate between uh, the the, uh, Imported Foods Authorities and Fazan's about whether they should and shouldn't test it. Uh, That went on for a few months and uh, eventually they announced they wouldn't test it. And what was their reasoning? Uh, they said that it would that it wouldn't prove that it was equivalent in bacteria reduction. How long did it sit in quarantine, by the way? Well, it started off the first um, three months for them to decide that that they wouldn't test it. And at that time, uh, we were allowed to import any raw milk cheese for personal consumption. We mm-hmm. still are, in fact. In how many so, kilos? Uh, up to 10 kilos. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Europe or New Zealand, you can bring back 10 kilos of raw milk cheese into Australia, providing you declare it, and it comes from a country that's free of foot and mouth. And, but are they contemplating uh, changing that law, by the way, a side note? Uh, uh, they may down the track, but not at the moment. Okay. Um, and I was bringing in Roquefort and handing it round to the press, saying, this is ridiculous, <laughs> this cheese, Roquefort, is been, has been made in France for the last 2,000 years. It's made from raw used milk. It's the most popular blue cheese in France. It's freely sold all over the world. Uh, the only place you can't sell it is Australia and New Zealand. It's Why wild, not? It's crazy, it? don't you? And unfortunately, uh, the authorities weren't very impressed by the fact that I was bringing cheese in for personal use and during the course of a phone call I was threatened with a $100,000 fine or 10 years in jail if I didn't stop. Um, were you bringing in, bringing in 10 kilo quantities or more at that yeah, point? Less. Less, less. okay. Less. Mm. But it, it was so riled up the authorities because it was getting and generating a lot, of, a lot of attention and I got this threat of jail or uh, or a large fine which is sort of funny till it's you and it was a real moment of truth for me. Yeah, but uh, how can also, they implement something like that if you well, were, was, what you were doing was, was legal? Well, they, funny enough, they changed. The, they actually changed the law oh, temporarily, really? so that anyone bringing in ten kilos of cheese had to sign an affidavit at the port of entry <laughs> that it was for personal consumption. Well, wow! So they did change that for. A so year you weren't or allowed to share it amongst others. Yeah, wasn't weren't allowed to share it. Meanwhile. <laughs> Um, that was step one. Oh, yeah. 
So that was a moment of truth to me because I really, it sort of sounds funny to live you at the other end. I do remember going home and explaining to my family what had happened and they looked at me like incredulous that I would risk everything mm. for that. And, and it, it, it's sort of like, what do you do? Do you, do you back down and just... Tell or, us what you did do, do because right. you created a, a great... Um, spectacle. Yeah, spectacle. Tell us. Well, yeah, but you know, that's, that's, that's in hindsight. You've got to remember at this stage, we didn't, all we had was 80 kilos of cheese sitting in, in a cold store, mm. uh, which, which the authorities had refused to test. And they had, what they had told me was that I needed to re-export it or just destroy it by deep burial. <laughs> and what the authorities were saying was that if I continued to bring in other cheese, raw milk cheeses and give them away to highlight the case, they wouldn't tolerate it any further. Mm. So there was, there was no outcome at this stage. Anyway, we, um, what happened then was that uh, I refused to destroy the cheese and took it to a court of appeal, and that took uh, 12 months. During that time, the Zans announced they would review Australian standards regarding the production of cheese. So in that respect, we would achieve, and I guess I achieved what I set out to do, mm. which was always about Australian raw milk cheese. And then 18 months later, they announced at a special hearing that uh, I, in fact, needed to destroy the cheese. The authorities had taken the right course. There was no way it should be tested, and it needed to be re-exported or, or destroyed by deep burial. And I followed through on the deep burial, and I told the authorities from day one that if they wanted deep burial, we'd do it in style. So, okay. we, um, so listeners, Google that. It was a lovely, <laughs> lovely grey rainy day and I had uh, ordered I ordered a nice dark shiny hearse it rolled up to the warehouse and uh, when you destroy cheese by deep burial you have to have a quarantine officer in, in tow the whole time to make sure every single kilo and case is counted so the cheese was very carefully loaded into the back of the hearse and covered with the French national <laughs> flag the tricolor and then driven very slowly across the Westgate Bridge to the Brooklyn Tip. Yeah. On arrival at the Brooklyn Tip, which I've got to say is very muddy, and you should have seen the look on the face of the hearse driver at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful, shiny car. We unloaded the cheese, and uh, under, under the auspices of, of quarantine, we, we threw every single kilo into a deep hole. Seagulls screeched. We played the French national anthem. <laughs> and uh, so ended the, the Rockford saga, and uh, started a new career in TV because I had lots of TV stations down there filming the whole thing. And is that is is that how um, cheese slices began? Well, Essentially. sort of. Yeah, I'd done. I'd been working on TV with um, Jeff Jantz on what's cooking, but it's, who knows? I don't know. But uh, cheese slices, the TV series, really, really is about raw milk cheese. Mm. Because largely you. Um, yeah. feature raw milk cheesemakers. That, that's a concerted um, effort. Every single episode of Cheese Slices talks about raw milk cheese. Mm. That came later. So really what happened in, in, in the Rockford case was that pictures of the burial went around the world. The publicity was sensational. The Australian government looked foolish because what, who the hell would ban Rockford? I mean, mm. on, on the basis it was dangerous. And the French were worried that it set a, um, a precedent under the WTO Uruguay round, which could be followed by America. Mm. And so 
the Australian government and uh, the, the uh, French government started to talk about trying to find a, uh, to create a special exemption for Rockfall. That took two years, probably cost a couple of million dollars. I know five or six uh, officers from um, imported foods that had a lovely couple of weeks in France. Mm. They produced a 171-page report. Eventually, I think it was 2007, uh, Rock 4 was granted a special exemption. I don't know how much of it was just uh, the, 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 the authorities sitting down and sorting it out because behind the scenes there was a lot of lobbying too and one of the people... Uh, that really helped me with Maggie Beer. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I got to know Maggie through my association with Stephanie, and a very good friend. And Maggie introduced me to Amanda Vanstone, who was on the Howard Cabinet at the time. And Amanda Vanstone had one, uh, had a cheese business in Adelaide. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so she, she loved her rock for. Yeah. And while she was <laughs> diametrically opposed on politics to Maggie, um, I went down to Adelaide and, and met with her and Maggie and she promised to do something, and because she was part of the cabinet, mm. I suspect that she probably had a lot to do with it too. That's who it you know. It was rather cool when I saw it all announced by Christopher Pine, like it was all his idea. Anyway, so Rockford 2007, approximately, Rockford suddenly is approved for sale in Australia. Meanwhile, Food Standards Australia are reviewing Australian standards. Take my armor and shield Yeah, the night is a battle Loneliness, it's real Imagination is a tragedy Not knowing's a place called hell Black dogs are scratching at the door Myself to the Lonely Hearts Theatre, watching sad film all the time. Sit down in the front row with me as myself and I. All together we have. You're listening to Herds and Curds, and today we're in part two of our conversation with Will Studd about the campaign for raw milk cheese in Australia. The track we just heard was Jess Ribeiro, Vignette 2, Cry Baby. Let's head back into it and hear more about the campaign. Now, around the same time as the Rockfall case, I also made an application to Vizans for the exemption for English raw milk cheddar and I also made a uh, request for an exemption uh, to recognise all EU 
raw milk cheese as equivalent. Those applications were application A530 and A531. And the important thing is when they were made in 2004, mm, Zans had to look at them by law. They were obligated under the law at the time to review those standards. And they, uh, an applicant could either fast-track it by paying $100,000 roughly per application, or you could wait for Fazans to get round to looking at it. How many years did it take for Fazans to, to get round to looking at that, those two applications? Well, they actually never got round to look at them. In uh, December 2018, just a few months ago, they sent me a rejection notice saying we're not going to look at them anymore because we've changed the system. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Uh, and as far as they were concerned, they had developed a set of domestic regulations uh, which were announced in 2015. Those regulations, uh, as I say, were domestic. They related to the production and sale of Australian raw milk cheese. And effectively, those regulations allowed the production of hard-cooked cheeses but made it virtually impossible to make any other type of raw milk cheese. Mm. And they had switched the review of all imported raw milk cheese to the Department of Agriculture and Water Resources. Right. And so their argument was, well, we no longer look at imported um, regulations. There are no longer any special exemptions. If you want to bring in raw milk cheese from Europe uh, in future will, including a cheddar and and, uh, other EU cheeses, I'm afraid we no longer look at that. So you might have waited uh, just over a decade, but it's no longer our responsibility Mm. to go and talk to Department of, of Agriculture and Water Resources. Oh, and, that's uh, so Monty Python. Bottom, <laughs> at the bottom, they did said, if you don't agree with this, you can go to the Appeals Tribunal. Your latest application is upon this subject, isn't it? Well, so, yes. Yeah, so I've I'm taking, I'm taking them under the um, Australian Appeals Tribunal because at the time, Suzanne's was meant to look at it. And just changing the goalposts 10 mm. years later, is, well, nothing else. It's, mm. it's pretty sneaky. So I am taking it to... Uh, the Australian Appeals Tribunal. That will take a year, um, and uh, we'll see what happens there. The Fazans also said that I could make an application to the Department of Agriculture and Water Resources, but in fact you can't. Only, only governments can make those applications. Really? Oh, so it just becomes untouchable, actually. Well, so now governments can make those applications, but the process of application is not very clear. So here we are, 10 years later, Rock 4 is officially the only imported raw milk cheese mm. that, is, that, 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 that we can sell in Australia. Parmigiano, Reggiano, Swiss Gruyere, all those hard-cooked cheeses under Australian standards are classified as pasteurised. Yes. So whilst the rest of the world regards them as raw, and Australia, mm. they're not raw. And so Rockford is the only raw milk cheese. And it would take and, an other government, is that what you're saying, to apply no, to our government to I, make change? Like individuals yeah. can't? Yeah. Yeah, mm. so the next step is to encourage other governments to make applications to DAWR. Yeah. Now, you've got to remember that the exemption for Rockfall was, that was granted in 2007 has never been reviewed mm. under the new standards announced in 2015. So it will have to be at some stage reviewed. So there's a concern that, I mean, Rockfall's import in the future to well, Australia is under pressure. pressure. It's got a question mark, for sure. Mm. But also we're encouraging, or I'm encouraging, 
uh, overseas governments to make applications for raw milk cheese. So the British have made an application for 12 raw milk cheeses recently to DAWR. Oh, that's great. Um, including farmhouse um, cloth down cheddar. Mm-hmm. And uh, the French have certainly got some applications in. I'm working on an application from the US and also Spain. But it's not a clear process, so it's, it's really complicated. Nobody's quite sure about what information DAWR need mm. uh, to make an application. And whether they're going to just say, actually, it's not our department, it's uh, now oh, somebody else's department. Or they're, they're also going to say, no, only the Australian government can actually make a, uh, an application for review. Well, if you really want to know what I think, is down the track what will happen is Australia will sign a free trade agreement with the EU and probably sign a free trade agreement with um, Britain. And part of that will be to recognise those raw milk cheeses as equivalent Mm. But that's a political decision, mm. a trade decision. It's got, and uh, and from that, then maybe Australian cheese producers will be allowed to produce raw milk cheese too. Yeah, so that'll be like full in the realm of economics, as as opposed to common sense. Yeah, well, it'll be common sense and economics, but it just oh. means that the current situation is really just nonsensical. Uh, um, yeah, and what a disappointing have... motivation to produce a raw milk and raw milk cheese in Australia. Yeah. It's sad, really, and, yeah, uh, what can I say? But it, it's the, the game's not finished yet. Mm. That's really the point. And uh, we will serve a freedom of information on uh, DAWR to find out how those applications are going. Hello, I am Gabriel Gatte. 3CR is like a souffle, a challenge to make, but it can just go higher and higher and higher. Support 3CR. Did you think you would still be having this conversation 18 years later? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'd have to treat it with a smile, I think, because it's, uh, it's really sad. I mean, it's, mm. what's really sad is that Australian cheesemakers and consumers have missed out on a choice mm. like our counterparts overseas. Mm. We are the only country I know that bans the importation of so many of those great classic mm. cheeses. And when it comes to the production of, of local raw milk cheeses, there was nothing. You know, that's that's really how this all started, and that's really what it's all all about. Is is I would love to see Australian cheeses that have a genuine taste of place and that's not to say that we don't have some fantastic cheese makers here and that you know that, that you can't make great cheese from pasteurized milk i just think that the fact we don't have a choice yeah. about it it's, it's really sad when i go to things like uh, the big cheese shows in europe and talk about the cheeses we can make here uh, and how we can't make raw milk cheese they just stare at you like you're mad <laughs> i'm talking about you know um, specialist cheese makers forums etc mm-hmm. they can't believe we can't do it yeah. But for the cheesemakers that do want to make it here, it's incredibly frustrating because when they stick their head up and try and make raw milk cheese, inevitably the local authority really knocks them around that's and gives right. them a hard time. And financially what? prohibitive as well is what I would say. Yeah, that's right. So it's financially prohibitive and the, the local authorities give them a really hard time. Mm. And, and generally speaking, it, it, it's sad. How do you think consumers or... Even producers can advocate for change in regards to the subject of raw milk cheese production in Australia. 
I'm a great believer that you know, enough protests will change stuff, but uh, the, the dairy authorities and the government, generally speaking, won't change anything unless, there's a, unless it's something to do with trade. Mm. I'm say that's what will change it. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe we need to find another Amanda in government. We do. <laughs> <laughs> you got one. Let me know. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm happy to go out and talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back to where this all, all starts, it's in, the, the, the implications are important for so many reasons, not just about the cheese, mm. but the cheese is the starting point. As, as, as we go through the process, we'll, we'll let people know what happens with the Court of Appeal the freedom of information, just keep lobbying yeah. away and, and uh, hopefully common sense will prevail at some stage. Yeah. Well, good luck. I hope that you have a positive outcome with that appeal. I hope we all do. Thank you. Yes, we all hope that. <laughs> and so your Instagram is Will Stud if people want to uh, yeah. start following yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, finally, on a lighter note, we'd like to know what cheese do you have in your fridge at the moment, Will? Uh, right now, I have some Bruni Island C2, and I have a couple of um, unnamed cheeses from a local producer here in Barham Bay. Oh, great. Um, which I so, can't, a, a backyard um, producer, a home per- producer? Just, no, just, just for personal use, you understand. Yeah. They, they can't buy them, they were just made for me out of interest. Yeah, lovely. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I've got in my fridge right now. Hard-cooked Australian cheeses which are made from raw milk. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Will. It's been really fascinating to hear. Thanks for listening to Herds and Curds. We've been in conversation with Australia's raw milk cheese advocate, Will Studd. We'll be back next month on the first Sunday of the month at 7am live on 3CR 855am. In the meantime, if you want to listen to our podcasts, you can find them on our program page on the 3CR website. You can also find us on Instagram by looking up Herds and Curds. In the month of June, we'll be holding our Radiothon and we are hoping that you, our listeners, will be able to support the program and the station and keep us all on air for another year. So please donate generously. We'll see you next month.